Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Just Give Me Five Minutes, where we dive into the world of fire sprinkler systems. I'm Mark Eckerd, and together we're making our way through NFPA 13. This is part five of chapter seven, air supplies. You've been soaking in it. Dry pipe air supply and connections. So let's get started. How do we get air from an air compressor or air supply to a dry pipe system? Through a piece of pipe, correct? Well, what size pipe? I know I've seen 3-H pipe more times than I can count, but 3-H inch pipe has never been okay to install on a dry riser. The requirements of NFPA 13 for the connection pipe from the air supply or air compressor to a dry system must be a minimum of one half inch in diameter. Whether it's copper, steel, or flexible pipe, it has to be at least one half inch in diameter. And this air supply connection has to enter the system above the priming water level of the dry pipe valve. To ensure proper functionality, a check valve has to be installed in the air fill line. Additionally, an approved shutoff valve, which can be a globe valve or a ball valve, must be installed on the supply side of the check valve. That means coming from the air compressor to the dry system. Another crucial component is an air relief valve. An approved relief valve must be installed between the air supply and the shutoff valve. So we're going to have air supply, air relief, shutoff valve, then check valve. The relief valve pressure needs to be set no less than 10 PSI above the system's normal air pressure, as specified in Chapter 7.2.6.7.1 of NFPA 13. Or, to simplify things, it should be set no less than 30 PSI above the calculated dry valve trip pressure. Also, we need to remember the relief valve pressure must not exceed the manufacturer's limitations and installation instructions. Now moving on to automatic air maintenance. When the air supply to a dry system is maintained automatically, it should come from a dependable air supply system such as plant air or an air compressor with a tank. This setup should utilize an air maintenance device or AMD specifically listed for this service. It should be capable of controlling the required air pressure and maximum airflow to the dry pipe system. However, if an air compressor supplying a dry pipe system has a capacity of less than 5.5 cubic feet per minute at 10 PSI, you won't need an air receiver or air maintenance device. If an air supply is connected to multiple systems, it's important to connect the supplies in a way that enables maintenance of individual systems while maintaining air pressure on the other systems that will be remaining in service. Therefore, each dry pipe system will have to have its own dedicated air maintenance device. To prevent airflow or water flow from one system to another, a check valve must be installed in the air supply going to each system. Now that we've covered how to get air into the systems, let's talk about how much air pressure we need on the system itself. The short answer is from the code book. It says, system air pressure shall be maintained according to the manufacturer's data provided with the dry pipe valve. In the real world, we need to know how much air pressure we need to have on the system and how much can we have on the system. So let's get a real world answer. The air pressure should be set 20 PSI higher than the calculated trip pressure of the dry valve based on the highest normal water pressure on the bottom side of the clapper of the dry valve. Now, 
Let's talk about air leakage. How much air can a system lose and still be considered in good working condition? The permitted rate of air leakage should follow the specifications outlined in Chapter 25 of NFPA 13, 25.2.2 to be specific, which covers dry pipe valve and double interlock pre-action system air test. According to 25.2.2, for a new system being installed, in addition to a hydrostatic test with water at 200 PSI for two hours, an air pressure leak test should be done at 40 PSI for 24 hours. If the pressure loss exceeds one and a half pounds during this test, corrective action must be taken, meaning we got to find the leak and fix it. Now, if we're modifying or repairing an existing system, there are two test methods we can use. First method involves performing an air pressure test at 40 PSI for two hours. During this test, the system is allowed to lose up to but not exceeding 3 PSI. But if the system loses more than 3 PSI, then there again, we need to go find that leak and fix it. If we use the second option available, we can bring the dry system up to its normal operating air pressure, close the air supply off for four hours. During this four-hour test, if the low-pressure alarm is activated due to a pressure loss, or if we lose 3 PSI, then we know we have a leak, and again, we need to take corrective action. Moving forward, let's discuss the use of nitrogen or other approved gases in a dry pipe system. If nitrogen is used in a system, it's crucial to ensure a reliable source of the gas supply. In this situation where stored nitrogen or other approved gas is used, it must be introduced into the system through a pressure regulator. Additionally, the rules for using nitrogen or any other gas should align with the exact same rules established for using air supplies. To ensure a proper reliable source, a low pressure alarm should be provided on the gas storage containers or nitrogen bottles. This alarm serves to notify and indicate the need for refilling the gas supply. And I think that probably concludes Part 5 of NFPA 13 Chapter 7, specifically focusing on dry pipe system air supply connections. I hope this has been useful, and I hope you've enjoyed air supplies. As always, We'll be back next week where we break down NFPA 13 codes into small sections. Thank you again for listening, and as always, remember, measure twice and cut once.